You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will be discussing the Warminster Thing. Welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. I'm so glad that you're here. I have really missed you guys this week. I hope that you all had an amazing week. Um, This episode is going to be a little bit shorter than what we're used to. I usually try to wrap things up around like 50 to 60 minutes, Um, but that's just because things have been pretty crazy and busy over here with kids and school. Um, so I hope that you're not disappointed. I didn't want to leave you guys hanging though. It was either like do a short episode or just skip this week and I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. Um, but I don't know, maybe you guys are actually excited that it's shorter because you might have time to listen to the whole thing in one sitting, like on your way to work. Um, this episode is kind of a relief, uh, perhaps from the episodes that we've been covering, Lately, I know that the ones that we've been covering um, in recent weeks have been pretty, I wouldn't say gruesome, but they're like sad and there's always like a murder involved. And this episode is going to be more kooky and weird, which I think is kind of a relief. And it covers one of my favorite odd subjects. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, if you are not already following us on Instagram and on social media, you definitely should be. Um, I have an Instagram that I post a ton of like pictures of the cases and it's really fun to engage with you guys and hear your ideas on what the mystery is and who you think did it and all that fun stuff. Um, So if you would like to go onto Instagram and talk to me through, through the week and also you can do a listener suggestion. That would be awesome. You can find us on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. There's a little picture of me. It's a cartoon red background with like a magnifying glass. So that's how you'll be able to find me. Um, so today in this episode, we are going to be exploring one of the biggest paranormal cases in the history of the United Kingdom. It is known simply as the Warminster thing. I know, pretty ominous, right? The thing is hard to describe. The events surrounding the thing started on Christmas morning in 1964, but the events spread through 1965 and 1966, even like some accounts going well into like 1977. Um, What makes this case unique in UFO lore is that it had so many witnesses, basically like the whole town witnessed some part of this phenomenon. And the thing happened in different forms over the next few years. So that's kind of like why it's kind of vague and ominous in the description. The first encounter with the Warminster thing was a series of strange sounds. Several witnesses on that Christmas morning heard a horrible 
sound unlike anything that they'd ever heard before. One woman said it was like someone was dragging large branches over her roof and then was followed by massive hailstones falling on the roof. Even though the sky was clear and dry, she like looked out her window and there was just nothing there. Over 30 soldiers at a nearby base heard the thing as well and described it as a chimney being ripped from the wall and dropped on top of the buildings. Another woman heard the horrible sound on an early morning walk and the sound wave pressed her to the ground. They were just like the force was just so strong. Many other witnesses experienced the same strange loud sound in the night sky just in time to think it was an evil Santa. So can you imagine like you're, you've gotten your kids to bed on Christmas Eve and then all of a sudden, like a few hours later, you hear like these awful sounds and you're like, oh my gosh, the world is ending or Santa is evil. We have the anti-Santa coming around. And the thing that's so crazy about this case in particular is that there were just so many witnesses and they're not just like the weirdos of the town that like I don't know, like live in a dumpster or something. And they're like, oh, there's aliens. Like these are soldiers, postal workers, teachers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, just like a great sampling of trustworthy, credible sources that are all saying like, yeah, we saw this and we can't deny that it's happening. Um, So some time passed um, with no more of these strange um, like audio moments, but then something even bigger happened. Many people reported hearing a massive explosion in the sky, and a lot of them felt several earthquakes after the detonation. The weird thing was, was that the blast or sorry, the weird thing was what the blast did. Many witnesses claim that it turned into a giant cloud of smoke, like a mushroom cloud, but it was shaped more like a light bulb rather than a mushroom. Uh, The cloud then lowered to the ground and rolled over the forest. It turned into a ball of smoke with a bright yellow glowing core and sent tentacles of electricity out of it as it crept along the tree line. The third big encounter with the thing was, of course, the UFOs. Eventually, people started to see a classic cigar-shaped UFO with what looked like coal fires in its portholes. It was perfectly silent, and it slid around the sky, again, with multiple witnesses. And I am just remembering um that like I think all the way back to episode three when we covered the Berkshires UFO something that was so strange for them especially during that time was not only how large the object was but also that it was incredibly still and quiet like remember this is not today this is like the 1950s and the 1960s like technology was not the way that it is now we're like oh yeah of course we have like this quiet engine like no things were freaking loud back then because they didn't really know what they were doing when it came to like technology so it's real that's something that whenever I read UFO sightings about that in this time period that's something that always kind of like catches my eye is that they weren't saying like yeah it was this huge thing and it made so much noise It was a huge thing and was flying around, but it made zero sound. Like, I don't even think that 
that happens now. Like even drones make a little bit of sound. We haven't made planes that don't make sound. So like that's advanced even to for us today. So that's something that I always get a little bit interested in. Anyways, um, then there were small things too. So like a bunch of rats uh, mutilated throughout the town and filled like they like made like a bunch of puncture holes like all over town and a flock of pigeons suddenly died in unison and fell from the sky isn't that freaking weird like you're just standing there and you see like a v shape of pigeons and then all of a sudden they just all die at the same time and fall out of the sky that is bizarre so all of these encounters led a town meeting in Warminster. So the town meeting was intended to calm the residents down and be like, oh my gosh, this is nothing. Just go home, not to worry. But uh, it didn't because when they, when they planned this town meeting, they'd only heard a couple of stories from a couple of village villagers or townies. Um, but when they did this open or this town meeting, a lot more people showed up than they thought and credible people, people in the town that they respected. It wasn't just like the town weirdos. And that riled everybody up. People were comparing notes. They freaked out. They were demanding attention from the the city officials. Um, a reporter covering the meeting named Arthur Shuttlewood was given one of the most famous UFO photos of all time at this meeting um, from a guy named, I want to say his name was Gordon. Oh man, Gordon Faulkner. That was his name. So he had actually been um, walking over to his sister's house because his sister had asked him if he could borrow the camera because again, it's like 1964. We didn't all just have like cameras on our phones. And, um, he was walking over that morning because she had asked him a couple of days earlier if she could borrow the camera because she wanted to take pictures of her children on Christmas morning, opening up their gifts. And he, typical man, had procrastinated until the last minute. So it was pretty early in the morning on Christmas when he realized, oh shoot, I gotta go take this over to my sister's. And so he's walking in the field, like on this dirt country road next to a field, I guess. And that is when he saw the third event and that was the actual ufos and so he took three photos of what he saw and he presented it at the town meeting and then arthur shuttlewood who was a famous reporter at the time um asked if he could have i probably just one i don't really know if he got one or all of them um but he got one of the photos and he decided to take the story to the Daily Mirror, which was a local newspaper. Um, he wrote several stories and a crucial book in which he interviewed the witnesses um, of all of the strange manifestations of the Warminster thing. So what was it? Was it an alien visit, a dimensional rift, an energy weapon, an experimental craft in the Cold War? What do we think? of this event. Okay, so Arthur Shuttlewood, he was a well-respected reporter at the time. And I mean, I guess that like if we're going to really delve into this and try and figure out if it was fact or fiction, we kind of need to know more about Arthur Shuttlewood. Like 
Was he crazy? Was he a weirdo? Was he seeking fame and notoriety? Or was he literally just trying to get the story of his hometown and his people? Was he trying to get their story out there to let people know what was going on? And I have to, I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that think that he was just kind of like a fame whore. (laughs) Um, You know, we got, we have a lot of those now. But I have to say, he went to the Daily Mirror, which was a local paper, which means that he would write up the stories and the articles, and then they would have to go through an editor who was also a local to Warminster. So I have to assume, and maybe I'm incorrect in assuming this, but I have to assume that if the editor was a local, they probably weren't going to let that thing print knowing that there would be witnesses that are like, uh, yeah, that's not what I said, Arthur, you're lying. So the fact that he not only posted one article and was able to like write and um, get more than one article in the newspaper makes me think that people were reading this and they were not having any problem with the things that he was saying because they believe them as truth. So I don't know. I just feel like that kind of makes me more on the side of, yes, I do think that this or something um, happened in this town and really freaked people out. And the quotes that he was getting were actual quotes and not just like his attempt to twist and turn a story to fit his narrative so that he could seek and achieve fame and notoriety. I I hope that that makes sense. Um, All right. So you might be wondering, why is this called the Warminster thing? Like, why isn't it just called the Warminster alien sightings or the Warminster alien event? Um, so it is called a thing because, well, mainly for two reasons. So for one, in the UK, before the phrase UFO really became popular, the UK used to refer to anything potentially alien related as things. So that's what the papers and the media typically referred to UFO sightings as. But with it being 1964, the term UFO actually was quite popular at the time. But as you know, there are things in this case pertaining to the events that aren't necessarily UFOs, like the pigeons flying out of the sky. That has nothing to do with a UFO. There was no UFO in the air at the time that those pigeons fell down. There was nothing happening with the rats when the UFO was there. It was all after the UFO left. Um, so yeah, that's that part. Um, what was I going to say? So the UK basically chose because it was just such a weird event, a weird thing going on, thing going on. Um, they just grouped the whole thing, everything that happened in 1964, 1965, and 1966 as the Warminster thing. Because even as I'm trying to explain it to you, I keep using the word thing because there's just no word for it. All right. So a series, um, the series of events happened in Warminster, which, as we all know, obviously is inside West Wilshire. Duh. If you didn't know that, then you are so not cultured. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't know that either. Okay, so I kind of just like touched on a bunch of things that happened. Um, 
But now I feel like we need to circle back because I just wanted to tell you the events that occurred. Um, so that way you would kind of understand why it's referred to as the Warminster thing and not like in the Berkshires UFO when it was like a UFO. Um, but now I feel like we need to circle back and just get a little bit more information about what was going on at the time and just delve in a little bit deeper to what happened. Seemingly ever since the dawn of humanity, unidentified flying objects have been observed in the skies above us. Whether it be ancient depictions of celestial beings coming down from the heavens or modern day accounts of alien abductions, the fascinations of what life exists outside of our own has captivated many imaginations over generations. As early as the 1930s, a small town in the west of England, known as Warminster, had began to experience some truly odd happenings. Warminster is a pretty small town, a town where everybody knows everyone. Strange sightings and sounds started to be reported by residents around the area. They started few and far between, but gradually over a few decades, these reports of strange sounds and things started happening tenfold. There's an old TV documentary about the Warminster thing that I watched in preparation for this podcast episode. Many witnesses give firsthand um, testimonies on what they saw. So a lot of people said that it was like cracking and startling in nature. This happened for quite a while, like in the 60s, until this particular event kind of just brought everything into like grand scale, like it was a big thing that everybody in the UK was talking about. It. In 1965, esteemed local journalist Arthur Shuttlewood would write his first piece about the odd events in the Warminster Journal. He titled this small piece, Bell Hill Mystery, Weird Noises on Christmas Morning. The funny thing about this article is that it was basically hidden in the middle of the page. This article shared a very interesting story told to Mr. Shuttlewood by a local woman named Marjorie Bai. She claimed that she had woken up around 6 a.m. on Christmas morning. She got dressed. She began to um, get ready for Christmas mass. And while she was like walking her route to the church, she began to hear some really weird noises in this area called Bell Hill. Marjorie described these noises as incredibly odd. She said, and I quote, branches being scraped over gravel. A couple days later, Marjorie shared this story with Mr. Shuttlewood, who decided to share this story right after the new year. Like I said before, though, um, this case was just kind of like hidden in the middle of the page. Nobody was really giving that much attention to it. It kind of seemed like it was an insignificant story, but it ended up being the Warminster Journal's most prolific story to date. Not long after the publication of Marjorie Bai's story, many other residents began to share their own experiences. Upwards of 30 people sent in claims of hearing weird sounds that Christmas morning as well. These stories seemed to verify Marjorie's claims. It seemed like you couldn't escape the stories because every day um, another article was being printed in the Daily Journal um, of just more and more and more sightings and experiences from local credible people. 
So what started out with just one lady ended up being 30 ladies and then six, or not 30 ladies, but 30 people and then 60 and it just kept going up and up from there. These stories seemed to verify Marjorie's claims and Arthur Shuttlewood began to compile all of the reports that he was getting over the course of the next year. It seemed like no matter where you looked at the Westminster Journal at the time, alleged encounters with the UFOs were everywhere. The stories just kept coming. In the year of 1965, it literally might hold the record of most UFO sightings in England ever. In the months after the initial report in the Warminster Journal, letters continued to pour in from residents who were claiming to have experienced this. Many were in conjunction of the sounds and the strange things that Marjorie had said. Some people also said that they had seen strange shapes in the sky. The descriptions of these strange objects in the sky were kind of like metallic orbs, saucers, and cigar-shaped spaceships. Almost always, a weird sound accompanied these sightings. These sounds were sound to hear like booming or like loud droning. Um, Some people said that after they saw these things, their cars stopped working or animals acting strangely or other type of encounters. A lot of people who were tired of being perceived as loony bins decided that they were going to try and get their own evidence. Um, So a lot of them like set up cameras and other things because they wanted to capture it. Um, which is obviously like a lot harder back then than it is now, um, because they didn't, not everybody just had one on their phone. Um, not very many people had luck taking pictures of this, but a couple of people did. And that was Gordon Faulkner. So some people said that they had attempted to take pictures of it. Um, but that the thing had like made their camera explode, which I don't really know if I'm buying that. But like I said, George Faulkner, Gordon Faulkner did get a picture and he gave it to Arthur Shuttlewood and um, he gave it to Arthur and said, do whatever you think is best with this. You can use it in an article. Just do whatever you think is best. A lot of people were weary as to how Gordon got this picture. But like I said, the story that I told you before about him walking to his sister's house because he'd forgotten to give him the camera for Christmas is the story that he was sticking with. And I think that at first, Gordon really, really appreciated and like kind of was hyped about all of the fame and attention that he was getting. Um, But I mean, of course, that there were people who thought that he was like a big phony and they just didn't really believe that he had gotten that picture in the way that he said he did. He th- a lot of people thought that he was just tricking everyone. Editors for the Daily Mirror even stated that the picture could be a fake, which obviously didn't help his case. Um, there are a lot of interviews with Gordon um, about this picture, um, but he always just kind of stuck with this story. He said that he just happened to have the camera with him and he was walking to his sister's house and out of the corner of his eye he saw this really weird figure and he just took a picture he didn't think anything of it um he wasn't sure if it was just something that he was seeing but he wanted to take a picture of it because he wanted to remember and then when he got into town and started hearing all these stories he was like oh this was not just like some weird thing that i alone saw a lot of people saw this so Maybe I'm not crazy. When people accuse him of having 
done this and that it's a fake. Gordon always says that's their opinion and I know that it's not a fake and so I'm going to believe what I believe. The phenomenon began to attract a lot of tourists um, about this Warminster thing. Many UFO researchers began to show up in the um, area as well. The British UFO Research Association, known as Bufora, which was a newly founded group that was launched a couple of years before, had come to the area in hope that they would be able to document something um, of the phenomenon. But When this happened, a lot of the sightings began to decrease, unfortunately, or conveniently. (laughs) The town of Warwinster embraced their new claim to fame, probably um, because they wanted to use the story to, you know, increase tourism, which would increase economy, blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't always easy. They got a lot of people that were coming to their town harassing them, accusing them all of lying, and they had some vandalism. They even got a nickname. Um, it was called Roswell of the USA. Sometime um, during 1967, about like two and a half years after the initial event, claimed to have seen an aircraft over the town of Devon, which is a short drive from Warminster, roughly about two hours or so even less depending on the route that you take, apparently. Um, They decided to share their experience with Warminster, and they were pretty convinced that what they had seen was a UFO. Here is a clip um, from the two officers, police officers, who claimed to have seen uh, this event. I'm going to play it for you right now. Well, the the object was uh, likened under a cross. Uncle Willie just... uh said here we go then and uh, we drove out after it if you know what I mean we're traveling very fast um, no no sound that I heard at all it was, um, there was no outside uh, noise apart from the noise of the car itself and the acceleration the acceleration away from us was terrific so really we didn't get under it to hear any sound it was, it was definitely there it was definitely either manned uh, by some sort of being or remotely controlled. It was definitely being controlled to view our car. After this, the town of Warminster um, quieted down again with the occasional sighting here and there. Warminster was skyrocketed to center stage in the mid-1970s. Crop circles began appearing in the middle of nowhere At first, many would tie this to the strange phenomenon of The Thing from 1965. Others tried to tie it um, into Stonehenge, which was a little bit close to the area. However, many people claimed that this wasn't anything but just a publicity uh, stunt from the people of Warminster because they just wanted to, you know, keep attention and be in the limelight. But apparently, after these crop circles appeared, um, there have apparently not been, like, any more sightings um, since then. So a lot of the witnesses, including Arthur Shuttlewood, the man who introduced the world to the Warminster thing, they've all passed away. Um, Arthur passed away um, after writing many books of his time and experiences with the cases, Um, He said that he was always a skeptic of um, UFOs and stuff, Um, but this 
like researching and delving deeply into these cases and talking to the witnesses who had supposed first claim or firsthand experience um, with this, he said that he's definitely a believer. So I also think that that's really cool when we encounter a story. Um, when we talk to somebody who is a self-proclaimed skeptic, like if somebody that I know was a skeptic of something and known to be a skeptic of something, and then all of a sudden they just completely turned, made a 180 and started believing in it. I think that that holds a lot of grounds. I mean, I don't know if Arthur Shuttlewood was being sincere and honest about his skepticism. Um, but if he really was that way, and I guess I don't really know because a lot of the witnesses have passed away. I mean, this happened a long time ago, like 60 years ago. If that's true, and if there's any validity to it, I think that it only speaks further that um, this may have actually happened. Or, you know, maybe not a UFO per se happened, but certainly something odd and strange happened. I mean, we can't deny that. Several years after the initial sightings, Arthur Shuttlewood was interviewed and he shared some thoughts that I'm going to play in an audio clip and it kind of puts things into perspective. It certainly changed the life of one man, the local newspaper reporter Arthur Shuttlewood. Without reservation, he believed that someone or something was trying to make contact. A lot of people, when I've recapped on their stories, they've had that same sensation that they feel, they feel better perhaps not physically, but mentally and spiritually particularly, they want to achieve something for the benefit of mankind. I don't think I ever have, you know, but would you do get going... that feeling that's inculcated in you by this experience, I think. Would it be going too far to say that you feel you've had something like a religious experience? Um, yes, I, I don't think that would be uh, exaggerating. You do, you, you seem to have a new outlook, a new mental outlook on life, and you want to help people. This is, this is most peculiar, perhaps, and uh, it's almost incredible to you, no doubt. But I felt that sensation. I wanted to see it again, and I wanted to convince whoever was on board that we weren't antagonistic and that we wanted to warmly welcome them if they cared to land. And, of course, they have landed. They have landed there. 2015 marked the 50th anniversary of the Warminster Thing legend. Despite half a century passing by, many UFO researchers flocked to Warminster to like kind of celebrate the event. Later that same year, an unknown artist uh, painted a large mural in a wall in Warminster, but it apparently caused like a bunch of hysteria because I think that this person like did it secretly in the night. Warminster, uh, England remains a, still a small area today, but it has a big um, history, rich history. Um, local residents are still like, they're still like trying to capitalize on it. Like they'll, you know, post videos of their daily lives, just trying to capture something. And they do podcasts and just a bunch of other things, just to kind of keep the history of what happened there alive, which. I think is pretty interesting. Um, just a few years back in June of 2017, a video was recorded by a resident who lives around Clay Hill where Marjorie claimed that she saw her, like had her experience. So this person, this resident um, from 2017, he was over by the hill and he apparently saw like this really weird thing. And so he pulled out his handy dandy um camera in his pocket his iphone and he recorded this 
object that was in the sky and it was flying around in like oval circles and sputtering smoke and I'm gonna see if I can like somehow get this on to the the podcast so maybe like in a story or something so maybe look for it there um whether you believe in UFOs or not, this case certainly holds weight in the greater investigation of UFOs and extraterrestrial life. I mean, we can't deny that. That's kind of the story of the Warminster thing. I know that it was kind of vague and ominous, but I mean, and there's really not like a bunch of information about it either, which is shocking because you would think that since it happened 60 years ago, there'd be like 60 years worth of research and articles but really there's hardly anything like even when I went to Wikipedia um which is not my favorite source to go to but um I went to Wikipedia and there was just like a small blurb um about this incident and this is like a huge part of Warminster's history I don't know if that's purposeful like I don't know if like the city of Warminster or the town of Warminster is trying to like get away from it um But literally, when I went to the Wikipedia spot, there was like maybe five or six sentences on it. And I'm like, no, this is way too cool for there to only be four to six sentences on such like a huge thing that happened there. So I don't know. I kind of have like, I wouldn't say a love-hate relationship, but I can't really think of another phrase for it. But sometimes I think that UFOs are silly and dumb and like I don't want to say that like I believe in it but then there are other there's like another part of me that just wants to believe in it because I just think it's really interesting and I also feel like we would be I don't know if we'd be huge narcissists I don't know if that's the right word but I think it'd be kind of self-absorbed to think that we are the only people living in like this vast galaxy in this vast universe that we live in um so yeah part of me wants to believe it because I'm just like well why are we so special here on earth that we're the only people in the entire universe to live there has to be other people right I don't know and then there's just been so many sightings over the last century that like we're not they're they're not all making it up. I feel like even if it's not UFOs or alien extraterrestrial life, there has to be something going on. And I want to know what is that something. It's driving me nuts. I just want to know. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystery Still Unsolved, detailing the strange and unsolved events of the Warminster thing. What do you think happened? I'm so incredibly curious about your thoughts on this particular case and just of like UFO sightings in general. Um, I just want to know, like, do you think aliens exist? Do you think that this really happened in Warminster? Do you feel like Warminster is like a hub for like extraterrestrial things? Is there some sort of natural explanation for this phenomenon Either way, there are some truly weird things happening in this area. If you enjoyed this podcast, um, please join us on Instagram. Please continue to listen to us. I would love to have you as an avid follower. I love you guys so much. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little bit shorter than normal, um, but maybe... I don't know. Tell me if you guys like that too. Do you want the episodes to be more like 30 to 40 minutes or do you appreciate when they're more 
delved in with at like the 50, 60 minute mark. So I don't know. Just kind of let me know your thoughts on this episode. I would really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm just trying to figure out which way I want to go, if I want to keep doing things the same way that I've been doing them, or if I should kind of mix things up. And your opinion and your um, thoughts, I always, um, they always calculate heavily in my decision. So I would really, really appreciate it if you guys would follow and just let me know your thoughts. Um, I hope that you guys have a great week. Don't forget to join me next week when together we'll discover, did someone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved?